Thank you so much for being here today. Today we're speaking with an amazing woman. Her name is Deb Fribbins, and she is the founder of the DEB, Developing Excellence in Business. She created this amazing business and mission with the purpose of empowering individuals to achieve success, enabling them to be able to achieve the lifestyle that they want and deserve. Thank you so much, Deb, for being here today. Please let us know how your experience has developed into something like this mission and where did you get started? How, why? I feel very, very excited to know about this because you are the expert in the retail um, industry and I have a couple of interesting questions for you in that regard. Thank you so much, Deb. How are you doing today? Very good, thank you. And thank you very much for having me. Welcome, everybody. Um, I guess I started this business, uh, um, as you can tell, I'm not a spring chicken. Um, and I um, resigned from major retailers. I've been with major retailers since I was 18, straight from school. Um, I actually had a teaching scholarship at the end of year 11 at school. And year 12 is the last year in Australia. And in year 12, I was so clever, I didn't need to study because I had my scholarship and I was going to uni and I wanted to be a teacher and life was organised. Um, but unfortunately, I decided that um, I discovered boys at uh, age 17 and I didn't need to study in year 12, hence I lost my, my scholarship. I went to Maya, which is a major department store in Australia nationally, and I uh, went for a holiday job. Fortunately for me, the gentleman who interviewed me said, no, there's no holiday jobs going, but we are looking for graduates, they called them for their internal program that they rang. And Maya in those days had a very good internal three-year course to become a, a buyer. The buying at that time was done in each individual state in Australia. Before I finished my training, it went national and um, I eventually came across to Melbourne, which is where the head office for, for Maya was. But I had 10 years with Maya and then I left and had a family. I had two beautiful boys who are very successful in their own careers. And I went on and um, joined another organisation in Australia called David Jones after the kids uh, were born. And then I went to a company called Target, which is not aligned to Target USA. We have the same logo and there's a legal thing there, but they're not actually related in any way, shape or form. And I worked for Target for 24 years years um, out of just out of Melbourne and um, of late I went when I left them I went to another organization called Harris Scarves and another organization back to Maya um, where I finally resigned and really got stuck into my own business I've had a wonderful career I've traveled the world I've met some amazing people I love working with suppliers and I think one of the things that I gained over the years that I try to pass on to the kids today is that learn about your products learn about what your customer wants not what you want to sell them but what your customer wants we used to have a, a fun saying when I first started in retail that if you really really like it as a buyer don't buy it because there's a fair bet your customers won't we get to travel the world, or got to, <laughs> we, we travelled the world, we went to countries, 
countries all over the world and a couple of cities sometimes in each country. And we would see products in situ, which was very different to bringing it back to Australia and seeing it in a store here. So quite often we'd go overseas and because our view was expanded considerably to our everyday customer, then we would see things in a different light. And when you start your own business, you need to look at your customer that's coming into your store. Who are you attracting? And you do that by the way that you present it, the way that you market it, the way that you set it up in the store, your windows, all of those sorts of things will attract a certain type of customer because you need to have a feel. We all know ourselves from a women's perspective, it's really easy. You only go into a dress shop that has clothes that you know will look like. If you are 18 and the shop has in its shop window stuff that your grandmother would wear, you're not even going to step foot inside the door. So you need to portray what it is in your business. If you're a homeware store and you have an eclectic mixture of fun products, that's very different to somebody who's looking for Stuart Crystal and um, uh, I've gone blank, <laughs> a brand name of, you know, a mature brand name. So you, you'll portray what you're looking for. Big retail is no different. People have a preconceived idea. When you go to Kmart, you don't go to Kmart to buy crystal. You don't go to Macy's in America to buy, sorry, I don't know your Canadian stores well enough. Do you have Macy's in, in America, in Canada as well? Um, not that I know. You do have Kmart, I know, <laughs> and Target. Um, but you go to your top end stores. You don't go there to buy a $2 item. So you go to the store that sells the sorts of products that you do. And we have the opportunity to see all of those products. The, the trick with being a buyer is to be able to look at all of those products and put them together and mesh them so that they tell a story. If you think about it in your home, when you, when you set your home up, you have a colour theme, you have a, a, um, a theme of the way that the house looks. You don't have every room in the house and every wall of the house telling a different story. You're, what you're selling to your customers is the same. They're going home to their home. In a homeware store in particular, it's really important that you're able to portray a story that the customers can relate to. So getting the right products um, for your store. And that really applies exactly the same if you're a service provider. And I work with mostly startups, people who are getting, getting into business. From a product perspective, it's easy to talk about what the products are. But if you're a service provider, it's exactly the same thing. If you're offering a service for a particular thing, have a niche and know what it is that you are um, presenting and offering to your clients. You cannot be everything to everybody. And you cannot be a me too. There is no point in going out there and saying, well, Mary Jane next door has this and I can do that too because I'm clever. Well, I've been going to Mary Jane for 20 years. Why would I change to your product? What have you got that's different? What are your points of difference? What are the things that you want to do? But the, the first and most important part of looking at any business, which as you can tell, I have just a little bit of, is passion. Having a passion for your business and being really passionate. I actually wrote a book which I don't think I mentioned to you, your passion, your future. And it's all about your passion. What is your passion in life and how are you going to get that passion across? If you don't care about what you're doing, then that comes across to your customers straight away. I have a passion for retail. I love working with retailers. Right now, um, a lot of people around the world, I'm sure Canada is no different to Australia, 
uh, in small retail are going broke because the stores are closed half the time because of COVID and people can't get out and the horrible things. Australia has more lockdowns than anybody else. And our country is um, in Victoria, where I live at the moment, all retail is closed. Other than food, every retail store has been made to close their doors. Very hard to do business when your store is shut. But you find other ways to do business. What are you doing online? How are you, people are complaining because so many people are going online to Amazon or eBay. Make your own website as interesting as Amazon's or eBay's. What are you offering your customers? What is it that's special to you that's your niche? Why should people come to your website? And it's not about price. It's not about being the cheapest in the market. People want value for money. They want quality. And the quality to them is proportionate to who they are. So you need to set who you are, where you're going. And if you're a customer who shops in a $2 shop, and that's the sort of products that you want, that's fine. If you're a customer who wants crystal and top end, then that's where you're going to shop. So make a, a, a um, decision of what the products are that you're offering. Are you offering a $2 million life insurance policy or are you offering a $50 pet policy? What is it that you are offering your customers? What is it that they want from you? And having a niche that makes you different to not be a me too like everybody else on the market. And I, I guess one of the big advantages, I've had a lot of girls who, and mostly buyers uh, in Australia at least, are female. Most of the girls get into an area and they stay with that forever. You know, they're always in ladies' wear or they're always in underwear or they're always in sleepwear or they're whatever it is because they build up an expertise. I'm a three-year person. I like to have change. So I've had the benefit over the years. I've worked in clocks, watches, stationery, jewellery, gifts, intimate apparel, corsetry, leisure wear, designer wear, homewares, bedding. I've worked in such an eclectic mixture of areas and they all work differently all the people are different so one of the big advantages of that of course is that you get to learn how to negotiate with different people and how to look at things from a different perspective um, and I think that's also really important sorry did that answer your question I, I get off track because I get very passionate about what I do because I think there are so many opportunities if you've got a passion for something you want to do in business then do it but do your research first I say be rad research, analyze, and do it. You know, research the marketplace, research your, your customers, research your, your competitors, research the products on the market. Once you make a decision that that's the product category that you want to be into, that's great, but know what the rest of the category is. So when a customer comes to you and you're selling Stuart Crystal glasses and she said, oh, but I can buy Crystal glasses that came out for $5, say, yes, madam, you can. That's absolutely right. Customers are always right. But the difference in quality between a Stuart crystal and a Kmart crystal is blah, 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 blah. The Kmart crystal is not crystal. For starters, it's a crystal cup, but that's beside the point. Customers don't understand that. So know your market, know your product. So do your research, analyse that research, go through and really understand what it is. Don't just parrot off stuff that you've learned. Really understand what it is and then go out there and do it. Now is a perfect time to be launching new businesses because so many businesses in Australia, at least, as I said, I'm, I'm not sure of your Canadian market, but certainly here in Australia, so many businesses have closed down that there's lots of opportunities for people to do it right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, here in Canada, 
Uh, I am also surprised about this, but in Canada, we are at the stage where we are not wearing masks anymore. I mean, right. the, the, the laws are, and, and people, it, it seems that the numbers are, have been going down. So people, is, people go to the streets, to the stores, everything is open. They remove the barriers. So it's a little bit diffi- different here, the situation in Canada. But I, yep. of course, we have been through exactly the same that you've been explaining. So it is a challenge for some uh, stores, a type of physical stores, business businesses. I can I can see that. As you explained, there are opportunities sometimes that open up in other type of fields that are maybe the ones the fields that actually cre- are created out of the need to help other people in this particular situation. So there are always opportunities, that, that's for sure. The Absolutely. passion is what drives us, the, knowing the why, exactly the purpose, why that we're doing this and how that why is the one that is gonna inspire anybody because they get like, con, con, they get like to feel exactly what is your, you know, you project that to people. Yeah. So, so maybe they also would like to, to try and to see that how they can transform, the product can transform or improve something in their lives. Um, so I like that you mentioned that. Thank you so much. Also, the other question that I have for you is that for a startup, okay, there are many, many aspects that, of course, must be considered uh, at the beginning. But how about how do you advise someone when they have a, a physical product how do you determine, do you have any tips or, some, or something like that for inventories? How to keep safe inventories? What is, you know, like the theory behind there that can help someone starting out make a good decision in terms of inventories? Thank you for raising that. You have no idea how many people don't think that through. Um, you know, a lot of people will decide, you know, I've got really good taste and my home is beautiful and everybody tells me how lovely it is, so I'm going to open a homeware store because everybody will buy what I like. Mm-hmm. And I'll have five of these and ten of those and a hundred of those and aren't they wonderful? How do you know that? To, to start with, before you've got any history, there is a lot of gut feel. It's really what you think in your heart of hearts, what will work, how many of this compared to that. The key factors to start with is to make sure that you have the space to display the product properly and you've got the fixtures that you can put it on. There's no point in buying products that you can't display properly to the customers and they can see what it is. There's no point in having products that are in boxes packed to the ceiling where nobody can see how beautiful it is. More is less. Sorry, less is more. Less is more. The more less products that you have on display and the more beautiful your displays are in somewhere like homewares, the better off you are. In a shoe store, it is no different. You put out one of each type of shoe and then have all the boxes underneath with all the sizes because a size six shoe is no good to me. I've got an eight and a half foot, 42, whatever your sizings are in, in your country. So what are, what are the... Uh, the parameters that you need, do you keep your stock out the back to keep your store looking prettier or do you put your stock on your floor? That will depend on the type of fuel that you want to get across to your customer. But the volume that you buy initially will be guided in the very early days by two key factors. One, the space, oh, sorry, three. One, the space that you've got to display it anyway. Secondly, the uh, fixtures and fittings that you've got to display it on, making sure that you have 
displays, not just bulk, unless that's the sort of business $2 shop. And thirdly, of course, the most importantly, how much money you've got to spend. And if you sit down and plan it out properly, um, proper preparation prevents poor performance. And I hound that into all of my customers. It's really important to have the five Ps. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Yeah. Yeah. So if you prepare what you're doing and look at what you're doing very carefully, then you can see how that's going to work. If you have um, a a homeware store, for instance, just using that as an example, and you decide that you're going to do cushions and lamps and side tables and blankets and whatever, how much space have you got to put them out, put out there? Because you're not going to have one blanket and one pillow. You need to have a variety. People are coming to you to make a choice for their home because their home is not your home. So you, you work out how many you need and then the, it works back to how many of each one that you need. This one's going to be so much better than that one. Never buy five of each or ten of each because they'll never sell equally. One will always outsell the others, whether it's, and usually boringly as, as it sounds with um, things like cushions, plain ones will always outsell the patterns because people will put a plain with a pattern and they might buy two different patterns to put on their lounge, but one plain one. So you make sure that your colours all work together. So there's so many different factors that you need to take in. But you've only got an infinite amount of money that you can spend. You've only got an infinite amount of space that you can display it on. There is no point in having a lot of stock in the reserves that the customers can't see. I had a a client that I worked with who had a small country store and she was doing quite well, um, but not as well as she would like to be. And she was putting a lot of money into local Product. She was supporting all the cottage industries around all the little people who were doing all sorts of beautiful things. And the shop was just over full. And she said to me, come down. So I went down after hours and we stripped the shelves and we physically relayed the whole store and did it up into what to me was a logic. Well, like we talked about it because it's her business but we did a logical presentation that the customers would understand. So instead of just shoving more stuff on the shelves and having 200 items on a shelf that nobody could see what it was, we stripped it right back and we filled her reserve and had one of everything on display beautifully. She nearly had a heart attack. She thought, oh, my God, I'm never going to sell anything. Her business increased by 48% in the first month. Because as she sold something, she'd say to people, look, leave that one. I'll get you a nice new one from out the back. So people felt better because they were getting a clean one from out the back that nobody else had handled. Um, And people always like, we know when you go into stores, people rip the packaging open and then grab the next one that's still packaged. So people like things to be packaged, to be nice, to take it home, to throw the packaging in the bin themselves. But they they like to have it new. So the displays stayed lovely. And and she did. She picked up her her sales by 48% purely because she was able to display the properly the product properly and that helped her cash flow enormously because instead of having huge amounts of money tied up in product that was just sitting there she was able to then rebuy she and she actually got a better um understanding of what was actually selling in her store because instead of selling a bit of everything people were drawn because it was set up nicely people were drawn to particular areas and suddenly product that she'd had there for ages in some cases suddenly was selling so much better than it had because people could find it and it all sat together and and look good does that make sense 
Um, so, yeah, the, the three key factors, display and presentation, space and dollars. Once you've started to trade, then it's a whole different ballgame. Monitor, monitor, monitor. Watch what you're doing. Dissect your sales all the time. What's working? What's not? Why did something suddenly work? And back to your why. Why does something suddenly work this weekend when it's been sitting there for six weeks? Yeah, thank you so much. Because at the beginning, when you very at the very first time that you're opening the store without having the preview sales, uh, that, that's why the question, how do you know how many products to buy if you still don't have the history of the customers telling you what more of what you should buy? So that's yeah. why I, I ask you that, because that is tricky at the beginning for everybody, not knowing exactly safely, trying to do it safely, how many of, of, of units to buy for from each product. So that's very, right. very nice. And also, I really like how you explain about the constraints of the shelves that you have, the space that you have, of course, the budget. I really like that. I didn't even consider, for example, the, the shelves or the amount of space that you have, but that enters into consideration. So thank you for highlighting that. What has been, besides that, the other very big challenge when someone is new and decides to open a store that they have as a startup that uh, you commonly help them with? One of the biggest um, flaws that a lot of people have, male and female, if particularly from a retail perspective, if they're going to open up a store, they are usually very creative and they can see to put things together nicely. They can see colours. They, they have that creative streak. And we have the left and right brain, the yin and the yang, however you... So one side is more arts-focused and one side is more science-focused. And if you're a very... Art, the more artistic you are, the less science-based you are. The more science-based you are, the less artistic and, and uh, creative you are. Never let an accountant run a retail shop because they will look at dollars and not look at the big picture and they won't do the analysis or do the analysis on the dollars not on the products and it's the products that customers are coming in to buy they're not buying dollars from you they're buying buying products so one of the biggest problems that most of my clients have is that they're very creative they've got beautiful stock they know what they want to do they know what they want to achieve but they don't have the um it's not that they're not clever enough. They don't like doing the science side of it. So the math side of it of sitting down and working out how much money to put into each category, how much money they need to spend on what sort of fixtures. and stuff. They just want to go out and do it because they're being all creative and isn't it beautiful. They don't have, and once they're running to do, in Australia we have a thing called a BAS statement, which every three months you have to pay the government the GST on your products. They hate doing it. So they get behind and then the government gets cross with them because they haven't paid their taxes every three months. Very simple to do. Employ an accountant or a bookkeeper, somebody that can do the math side of it for you. They will do in 15 minutes what you spend three hours doing and your three hours could be doing all this creative stuff out in the store, making it look beautiful and talking to customers and inspiring your customers. Never manipulate your customers into buying something. Always inspire them. And so you're inspiring your customers to buy products and you've got a little accountant sitting out the back and he can do the number crunching on the keyboard for you. So look at what your strengths and weaknesses are. I employ all of my girls to do a, a SWOT analysis. So you look at your strengths, your weaknesses, 
the opportunities that you have and the threats to and do two separate SWOT analysis. You do one on you personally. What are your personal strengths? What are your personal weaknesses, your opportunities and your threats? And then do one on your business. What are the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats for your business? The strength of your business is that you're very clever and you're artistic and it looks beautiful. The weaknesses are that you've got no idea what you're doing for, to run the business. Yes, you can buy the right stock. Yes, you've got all the taste and the creativity to make it look pretty, but you've got no idea. So that's a weakness. So do something about it. So when you identify these four, so many people will list all their strengths and their weaknesses and think, well, there they are. So you've identified what they are. Now, what, are, what is the action plan that you're going to take to fix that? I can't do a best statement. I'm really bad at that. Action plan, go to training and learn how to do it. Employ a bookkeeper to do it for you. What are the options that you've got out there? And there are lots of different options for each of them, but identify each of those. The opportunities are, are really good to list because so often when we start a business, we've got all these wonderful ideas and we want to do this up in the sky that we can't even reach to. Bring it back down. What are you doing now? Okay, these are the other opportunities that I've got. This is what I want to do. Then do yourself a timeline. So now I'm doing this, but tomorrow I'm going to do that next month, next year, the year after, five years from now. This is the time plan. If you achieve them earlier, is that a problem? You've got them clearly in your brain what you want to do. Your business is heading for one purpose because you know your why and you have a core of what your business is all about. So you go for that core and then you look at all the opportunities that will continue to grow that core so that it just gets bigger and bigger. You may want to end up having a chain of 100 stores around the country or you may choose to purely do online out of your garage at home. Neither of those are wrong. It's what you want for you in your business. And if you're 30 and your kids are little and you can run a business from home and you've got a big garage to store stuff in, fantastic. If you're 65 and you're looking at retiring and you just want some added income in retirement, then you look at the scenario that suits that. If you're 20 and you've got no commitments... The world is your oyster. What is your want? How are you going to do it? And what are your steps? And how are you going to modify those as your life changes? And what are the opportunities and what are the threats? And the threats today can easily, because obviously the, the long term is you turn all of those threats into strengths because you've actioned the threat and turned it into a strength. And all of those opportunities will eventually grow into a, a strength for your business as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for that. It's very nice to explore maybe what type of potential, um, as you explained, threats or challenges someone is starting out and can also face. So that's why I asked that question, because somebody contemplating the fact of maybe starting their own store might be challenged by this. So it's good to know at this point and how you advise them to take action and to prevent and uh, to work in this risk management by doing the analysis that you explained. So thank you for sharing that tool there. My next question would be, <clears throat> typically in, in retail, I see how big brands are able to successfully paint this story about the product and, and to make the people, to drive them to be part of that story. For a startup, it's also 
challenging. I see it. Um, I don't even know how to do that. So that's why a perfect question for you. I see for a personal brand, because it's about a, a human. So then it's easier to say my story and people might, might fall in love with the story. But how about for a brand that is a product? How would you advise a startup in order to say an effective story yep. that you know shows that passion and everything so they can be enticed and, and they fall in love with the product or the brand? Yeah. Any brand is only a brand because of the marketing they put behind it. And when you are uh, a major company and you have a new brand to launch, it's fine because you're a huge country company and you've got all these dollars behind you to do that. You can do exactly the same thing. You start small and you grow it out into the region. And these days that is so much easier to do with the internet than it was in eras gone past. And particularly right now with everybody converting to people who've never shopped on the internet before suddenly have to because in Australia our shops are still shut. Um, in your country they went through the stage where they were shut for a while. So suddenly are you going to sit there and go without or are you going to start learning how to use, use the internet? And it's about promoting, you know, marketing to a couple of things. There is a particular um, um, motivational speaker in America that I absolutely adore, a guy called Simon Sinek. And I do, I watch a lot of Simon Sinek's um, things. And you touched on it before, the power of why. If you understand why you want to be in business, you need to get that passion across to the customer. Simon Sinek, and I employ anybody who's starting out in business to watch the video on YouTube of Know Your Why by Simon Sinek. There's a seven-minute version and there's a longer one. Watch the longer one first. It's about 45 minutes, I think. And then go back and watch the seven-minute one regularly. It really explains exactly what you're talking about really, really well. If you know your why, and he uses the example, and I never do this justice, but he uses the example of Apple over um, Microsoft. When Apple came out on the market, they are not the cheapest on the market by any stretch of the imagination. They did not um, interact with Microsoft. They went off on their own tangent, but they did an amazing marketing job. And they started with nothing. They didn't start with a zillion dollars, but he had an absolute passion, he being um, Steve Jobs, had an absolute passion for what he wanted. And Simon Sinek says that he did a um, um, conference at Microsoft, and he said to these people, you know, motivating them and, and why are you in business? What are, oh, we're the best, we're wonderful, we've developed this, we've done that, I'm wonderful, look at me, aren't I terrific, look at me, aren't I wonderful? They went to, he went to Apple and Apple said, we get out there and ask our customers what they want. We give our customers what we want. We tell our customers what they want, not in those words, but that's what he's saying. And they do. Look at Apple's advertising over the years. Who needs a camera, uh, sorry, a phone with three cameras on it? I mean, really, do you need a phone that has three cameras on it? No, but he's convinced people, sorry, Apple have convinced people that this, the features and benefits to you. So it's all about how you promote the product, how you market the product, how you get the message out there. I have one lady that I was dealing with for a long time who was a... Um, um, designer, interior designer, and she bought a curtain shop and did curtains and wallpaper. And it was going, okay, I said to her, put a big picture in the window of you. 
because the customers are coming to you to buy your expertise. Put this with this because a lot of us know what we like, but we don't actually know how to put it together properly. We're not really that good. So to walk into an apparel shop and see a skirt and a top and a jumper and a cardigan and a scarf and a handbag that all matches, you may not buy the whole lot, but you can see how it all goes together. To go into a curtain shop and see a row of curtains and a row of wallpaper and not be able to put them together is what a lot of people can't do. They really don't understand. They'll put a plane with a print every time because they, but you can actually put print with print if you get the right prints and you get the right colours. People don't understand about hue and so on. And that's where her expertise came from. So in her business, she increased her business dramatically because she was out there promoting her strength, which was her ability to give you interior design ideas. She was an interior designer. Why would you not use her expertise for the customers? Um, I'm very much into social enterprise and supporting charities around the, the place. And I belong to an organisation called B1G1, Buy One, Give One. And the guy that owns that, Paul Dunn, is an amazing man. He too is a business mentor. And he tells the story of a um, flower shop owner in London who was doing okay and, you know, the flowers were selling and was hard work and, you know, you're up at all hours of the morning to go and get the flowers and blah, blah. Paul went in there, cut a long story short. Paul tells the story over about a half an hour, so I'll keep this brief. <laughs> but he went out and this man sent, when you came in to buy, so if I go into his shop to buy the flowers, he makes sure he has my email address and the email address of the people that the flowers are being sent to. On day one, he sends an email to the recipient and says, I do hope that the flowers are to your liking. Please make sure that you cut the stems off a quarter of an inch, put the powder that we've given you, half a packet into the water, blah, 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 this is what you do. Your flowers will last longer. A week later, he sends a second email to the same recipient and says, I hope your flowers are lasting really well. Please let us know if they want. Won't. Now is the time to change the water, put the other half of the powder in, cut the stems back another quarter of an inch, blah, blah, blah. So the flowers lasted and these people were really happy. The guy who, or woman who sent the flowers in the first place got an email on day three and said, I do hope that the person that you sent the flowers to loved their flowers and they were as you like them. He sent a photograph because so many people will just ring up and say, please send flowers. He sent a photograph with the email of the flowers that he actually sent. So the person that was sending the flowers knew what the recipient was. So when they rang you up and said, Diana, I hope you love the flowers that I sent. Weren't the roses beautiful? You know that there were roses. How many times do you ring up and you say to people, were the flowers nice? Did you like them? But he, and then he kept a record. And if it was a wedding anniversary or a birthday, he would ring that client or email them and say, last year on the 5th of December was your wife's birthday. I do hope everything is well. Would you like us to send flowers to your wife again this year? He increased his business tenfold, ten times in 12 months. He had to put on extra staff. It was all automated on the system. He got a, a paid to have a, a system put a, a computer system put onto his register so that this all happened automatically. So it wasn't a lot of extra work, but it did take a couple of minutes and of course the follow-up to make sure. So he did have to, but his business increased by tenfold because he did those little things that made it special to the people and he built up his loyalty 
um, for people. So I, I think that's a wonderful story. How many other opportunities are out there in whatever business it is. If you are an accountant and you are setting your people up on QuickBooks or Zero or whatever it is, and you sit down with them and you explain how to use it, bring them back in two weeks' time. How's it going? Are you using it? Have you had a problem? We're now at the end of the month. Were you able to do this? You know, what are you doing for them? And how are they able to analyse? If you do all of the work and, and present all the uh, P&Ls every month, profit and loss statements, that's great. But do they know how to read them? Do they know how to understand them? Excuse me. Spend that extra five minutes with your clients explaining that to them and then they will love you all the more and, and, uh, and work with you. Yeah, for sure. That's a great story. really like that because... We often miss, miss uh, the fact that nurturing those already clients are going to continue bringing you more sales. And we focus a lot in what are the new ones that I can bring. I need more clients. I need more sales. What is happening with the ones that you already have, right? What strategies are you also using in order to encourage that connection, that deeper connection, and that service, that sense of of real of real help and support for them, so they are enticed to continue coming, and not only that, but inviting other people. So all those little details are the ones that yeah really make um, a huge change. I, I read a book, um, and this in this book they it said about an example about how um, one of these uh, gentlemen who had the business or a freelancer, I think, he was sending a box of chocolates to the clients, even if they were in other parts of the world. But he did that effort just to demonstrate how really went the extra mile. So people, when they opened that box, was so amazing that somebody took the time to put something in that box that yeah. of course they continue and they became very loyal to him for doing that simple yet very meaningful and special detail with them. Absolutely. As you say, um, maintaining your customer base is just as important as building. And if you maintain that loyal base, what are they going to do? Are they going to say, oh, these are terrible people, don't go to them? Or are they going to say, wow, these are the best company, they do this, they do that for you? The flower people, how many guys would say, go to Joe Blow to his florist shop because you don't even have to think about your wife's birthday or your wedding anniversary or whatever every year because he does it for you and gets them out of trouble. (laughs) You know, people are inherently time poor. It's not that they're lazy, but they're time poor. We all get caught up in our lives. So to get a a reminder from your dentist, Deb, it's six months since your your last checkup. It's time to come in for a checkup. Mm -hmm. To get a reminder from your specialist for diabetes or whatever condition that you have, Deb, it's time to come back for for a checkup on whatever. We all need that because we get so busy in our lives. And it's those little surface things. You know, Deb, I'm your accountant. Your tax is due again at the end of the financial year out in Australia. Our financial year finishes at the end of June. So in May, send them people, have you got all your tax stuff up to date? Can I do anything to help you before it's too late? 
You have to have your tax done by, I can't remember, personal tax has to be done by October. Company tax, I think, has to be done by the March. So you contact your people a month before. Deb, you've only got four weeks, six weeks, whatever it is, haven't got all the information from you. Have you got this ready? Do I need to help you or can I help you in any way to support you to get to where you're going? Mm-hmm. Pick yeah. a topic, any topic. Yeah. Mm. Deb, you bought all new curtains for your love, oh, sorry, all new cushions for your house five years ago. If you can keep records that long, is it time to update your your cushions or we've got new ones that have come you bought some six months ago and look we've got these new ones that come in and complement the color palette that you bought what are the little things that you can do to keep that that customer and for them to then refer you and give testimonials wow it's the best company in the world to work with yeah that's amazing those little things are often overlook and we forget for some reason and that's very a very good reminder of going back and figuring out actually what type of system can work for us so we can properly track that information but the best is that if the business is starting out that's the best time definitely to start from zero with this database that can help you to start from zero and with the good habits of doing this type of uh, important um, touches with the clients that really, really go the the extra um, mile in terms of helping them to bond more with your brand or or your product. Yes. Right. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much, Deb. I wonder, is there anything else that you wish I had asked you today? No, I think we've covered a lot of ground. One thing I would like to say, um, and you can take look at this from two perspectives, I'm a big believer, as I said, in social responsibility. And if we are lucky enough to have a good business, then think about giving back to the community. There are lots of different ways that you can do that. I have a couple of chosen ones that I do with. I am a Rotarian and have been for, 30, for over 20 years. I was in Rotaract as a kid. I am on the board of the Geelong Regional Cancerians. I'm on the board of the Volunteer of the Year Award here in, in Victoria. I am on a sustainability board. I run, I do um, free volunteering for a company called um, SBMS, which is the Small Business Mentoring Service. What are the things that you can do? And if you want to be callous about it, you can actually put all that stuff on your on your website and people will look at you in a different light because you're prepared to give back. That is not why I personally do it. But if you, if you want to be um, commercial about it, it actually does help your business if you're prepared to actually give back to the community as well. As I said at the beginning, I've been very fortunate. I've had a lovely life in um, in retail and I've managed to travel to most countries in the world. Never got to Canada, but I've been to most countries in the, or many countries in the world and, and I've had a, a wonderful um, life and opportunities presented to me. So I, I give back in whatever way that I can. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that, that reminder. Definitely a socially conscious business is the way in which the economy can get a better foundation for sustainability, not only not only for the environment, but also for all of this net that comes out of this, uh, helping other countries that are maybe in need and uh, 
also other opportunities that arise from, from there in terms of education, in terms of resources. Um, so I, I also, I am also into this, I, that's at the core. Um, yeah. And I say, we have the belief, it seems that we have the belief that a small business is not yet prepared to, to, you know, to give back because it's starting out. But I believe that even if, for example, if, if you donate two cents, one, I don't know, five cents, I'm just speaking about something even minimal um, from the sale of every product that goes a long way because you create a habit of doing this. People start to respect you also more because you are actually having this uh, abundance in your mind and, and, and in your systems and your processes and your right. values and in your company uh, to actually continue giving back. So people appreciate that. People respect brands that do this. So yeah. it really, it does, it, it makes sense that even a very small business, even a freelancer can do this for the sale of every, for example, design, for the sale of every service, for the sale of every uh, coaching hour, for the sale, I donate this. And so, of course, it's nice when we go to the to the places where you have your publicity and we can see all of these beautiful causes that you're supporting. Uh, it Correct. seems, it, it, it portrays the ethics that you have, not Correct. just with the community, but it's going to show also the care that you're going to have with the clients. So for me, that is important. It's at the core. I'm so glad that you are into this also and that we got to talk about this important aspect for any business. It doesn't matter the size. It's always possible to contribute. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. Can I just mention one other thing really quickly? A lot of people who are starting out in business are not really good at networking. And networking, I, I confess, having spent <clears throat> a lot of years in the corporate world, when I first started out on my own, I thought networking was rubbish. I thought it was an excuse to go out and have a few drinks and, and a laugh. Absolutely 100% incorrect. Absolutely 100% wrong. There are so many things that you can get out of networking if you network properly. Look at the groups that you're going to network with. Look at who those groups attract. There is no point in you going to groups that attract a different clientele to those that you want to look with, work with. And there are two types of people that you can meet through networking. One is your clients. So you, you go out looking for people that you could perhaps support. The other, though, no business, as I said before, can run on their own. And if you're creative, you need the science people. If you're science-based, you need creative people to support you. So go to the networking events with a view to building what I call a stable of people around you. I'm very good at what I do with teaching people about business sense, and I know that you need to have a good accounting package. I am not an accountant. I am not good at that. So I have a couple of accountants that I can refer people to if they don't have one. Because a lot of people think, oh, I'm only little, I'll start out, I'll do it all myself. You can't do it all yourself. You need to have the right people. And just because I select you as, the, as one accountant, your personality may not work with someone. So you need a couple of people in IT, in accounting, in HR, all of those fields that have different personalities so that when you're working with your clients directly, look, you'd work, you need new staff, you need HR. I would recommend Joe Bloggs or Fred Nurks. Now, Joe Bloggs try first because I think they are somebody that is really good and that, you know, you can relate to really easily. If you don't relate with them, then try, or if they come back and say, oh, I didn't really like that, then try 
somebody else. So you need to have a stable of people around you and you're not going to meet that stable of people working from an office or working from home. You need to get out there and network to learn who are the right people out there and and you'll learn from them. every networking event you go to you will learn something mm-hmm. but go with an open mind yeah for sure networking is super super important and that's the way that businesses happen and connections collaborations partnerships it's so exciting actually to to yep, go there absolutely. and see what kind of or, or or in what kind of causes we discovered that we could uh, contribute or what type of projects people is doing is very it's very um interesting and approaching it with that openness of mind makes it easier for you know talking with people talking without restrictions just you know getting to know the potential clients or or the potential partners in, in a deeper level yes absolutely and when you go to a networking event have your business cards Have a pen with your business cards because if you meet 10 people on the night and you get home and think, whose business card was that? I don't know who that person was. I don't remember. Right on the back, the lady with the brown glasses, the man that had seven children, the guy with the odd socks, something that is going to remind you of who that person was because one little reminder like that or something that they said, a joke that they told you, will remind you who that person is so that you can ring them up the next day and you make an appointment to go and say to them, say, look, we met last night at Blah, um, would love to catch up and have a cup of coffee and discuss some opportunities that we have. So have your business cards, have a pen ready and have a really good elevator pitch so that you can say who you are, what you do in two sentences. You don't want a half-hour diatribe. They haven't got time to listen to that. They want to know in two sentences what you do and what you can do for them. We live in a Wickham society. What's in it for me? Yeah, amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for for all of that value. It's been a great conversation. Uh, We've covered uh, many interesting points about inventories, the stores, um, how to, you know, have that, that uh, meaningful passion reflected in the brands, um, how to communicate better and the, and the networking aspects. Uh, all of this is amazing. This, this is a lot. The clients, the, I, I really think that that one is very important. Just to recap here, the clients and uh, how we can connect with them and actually reflect the values along with the social responsibility topic that we really feel that every single business can and should (laughs) be involved uh, in right now at at this point in the history i believe every business is able to do this so it will make a big impact if every business would understand this importance of this absolutely right yes thank you so much deb for your incredible um, sharing of experience, of knowledge, of insight today. I'm really happy that we got to connect. And uh, what I always say is that in order to share even more about you with the audience, I always invite every guest to follow us in social media. The, the account is Diana Lenick. Um, so every time that you have, you know, a, a book or the new book or um, any other of your programs or your offerings, you just can tag the account in social media and we reshare uh, your post or whatever you want us to reshare because this is the point that we create more meaningful connections and it doesn't have to end with the podcast. 
Uh, Awesome. Thank you very much for that. Um, Your Passion, Your Future is my first book. I'm writing one at the moment, um, Your Passion for Retail, and I've got a third one in the back of the brain for social um, responsibility and so having a social and the benefits. So there will be more happening. I just need to have time to do them, (laughs) Uh, which is also a problem. I do have an offer, and I appreciate this is going out all over the place, I have an offer for your anybody listening to the podcast where I do a complimentary discovery session anyway. You get that for free anyway. Just contact me on my email or through Calendly. Um, and uh, secondly, um, the one of the packages, initial packages I offer people is for $300 a month, you get two one-hour sessions plus any questions throughout the month that you would like. Um, and I would like to offer that free. To any for the first five people that would like it from this podcast, just mention Diana and the podcast, and the first five people will get a free month of um, of uh, coaching if I can be of any value. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, and I there is so kind of you. Thank you so much for offering that. And yes, um, please reach out and get advantage of this amazing offer. Thank you so much there for being here today. Thank you, Diana. Lovely to meet you. Thank you so much and see you in the next episode.